We turn to read again the scripture for our message today from the record of the judges that is found in Judges chapter 13. And in our reading, we have taken up to read only verse 15 through verse 21 again. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he, the angel of the Lord. I prefer the strict translation of that text. It brings home the point more clearly, I think. The translation is, for Manoah knew not that he, the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. And it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. And then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Turn with me again, please, and sing together again, number 248. of sacred joy to God the sovereign King let every land their tongues employ and hymns of triumph sing Jesus our God ascends on high his heavenly guards around, attend him right. 
rising from the sky with trumpets joyful sound while angels shout and praise their king let mortals learn their strength let all the earth his honor sing o'er all the earth he reigns speak forth his praise with all profound let knowledge guide the song nor mock him with a solemn sound upon a in my design to render an exposition of this 13th chapter in the history of Israel's judges, you will recall that I first looked in two sermons at this godly woman whom I have respectfully and affectionately named Mrs. Manoah. And I pursued that study of her, the exposition of this passage, under the guidance of a single phrase that I found in verse 9. And I put together the phrase, alone in a field. And it was under that title that we looked at two messages concerning Mrs. Manoah. And then in the next messages, we looked at that godly man, <coughs> Manoah, under yet another phrase which I plucked out of verse 11, Manoah arose. And so that now today, I would have us turn our hearts to that most valued person in all of this record which is not the woman as great as the contemplation of her was to our hearts that most valued person is not Manoah as helpful as that was to us I suggest that the most valued person in this text is not even Samson who will be introduced later in verse 24. But rather it is this blessed angel this divine man <laughs> whose presence overshadows all others Altogether, all the others contained in this record are dwarfed in every other aspect, dwarfed completely, might I suggest, by this blessed angel.
And to that end, that is to the end of a continuing exposition of this chapter, I would like, as I have done with the other persons, I would like to pluck from this text just one word and put it in a phrase as a title for our study and contemplation of this person. And that one word would be the word found in verse 18, which in your King James Bible, you have a note for a marginal reading. It is actually in the Hebrew text, the word Paula, it is the word wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. And so I would like for us to consider in our study of this text an angel named Wonderful. It is, I would propose by this lighthouse, that is this fixed lighthouse, this wonderful angel. It is from this phrase, this fixed lighthouse, that I would like to steer our ship safely into the harbor of a sound exposition. I would have you to see, first of all, number one, in seeing this person, this angel, this divine man, I would have you to see, number one, that his self-disclosure is sovereign. His self-disclosure is sovereign and has no human origin, or explanation. Notice with me in the beginning of this record, verse 13. And the children of Israel, of chapter 13, sorry, chapter 13 and verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. In verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman. This record is brief. The record is to the point and permits no embellishment. No merits of Manoah are brought to the text. No sacrifices we learn from the text have been made to attract the attention of God. No national repentance, as in Nineveh, no national repentance or sacred services have been performed. Nothing seemingly has changed in 40 years. Nothing. Nothing in this text is offered to account 
for this divine intervention. Nothing but the mere sovereign, free, untraceable good pleasure of God. Notice with me, verse 21. I read verse, the first phrase of verse 3, and the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. Verse 21, but the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and his wife. He comes, in verse 3, he comes when he will. Forty years. Why forty? His sovereign good pleasure. He comes when he will. He stays as long as he pleases. And he leaves when he designs altogether sovereignly. Do you see it in the text? He comes. When he will, he stays as he desires. He leaves what he desires. Altogether sovereignly. <laughs> Surely Manoah must be taught here. Yea, more than that, all of Israel must be taught that this is altogether the work of God's own free and sovereign grace and purposes. Israel had no hand in it. <laughs> Sometimes when I come to a place like this in my studies and in my, especially in my sermons, I sometimes confess that I stumble. Reluctant to preach such a thing to you, this congregation. For I know how well you know this truth and I know how deeply you hold it, and I recognize all of that, and I sometimes stumble, but I cannot avoid the Scripture. We find it everywhere in the Scripture, the sovereignty of our God. He does what He will in the armies of heaven and in the earth, and no man can stay His hand or say to Him, What doest thou? Oh, I would just point your hearts this morning to this truth. That as it is in the record of Israel's history here, so it is in the heart of the darkened, enslaved sinner. When God sets about in His own will and time, when God sets about to disclose and reveal His deliverer. It will be altogether His sovereign work. Nothing in this text, nothing in this text would give us an idea of the some precursor for God to do this work. It is altogether Sovereign. I preached in the jailhouse, I think a couple of times in the last month. I've preached to the men from Matthew chapter 
16, where the Lord Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Whom do men say that I am? You remember that account well. And I always press when I preach to the men in the jail, I press the point that he is the Son of God, but I press also the point that the Lord Jesus presses in verse 17 of that chapter. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Flesh and blood cannot reveal the Christ to a sinner's heart. It's altogether the sovereign work of God Himself. And He does it as He pleases. He is sovereign. I say to you again this morning, this messenger, and that's the literal translation of the angel, this messenger, this messenger of God, this messenger who is God, acts sovereignly according to His own will and His Self-disclosure has no origin in man or explanation. That very well text, known text in Romans 9. Romans 9 and verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he harden it. There it is. Sovereign. Oh, listen in this text. What do we learn first of this angel, this angel called wonderful, this God angel, this man, divine man, what do we learn? That his own self-disclosure, his self-disclosure is altogether sovereign. He comes when he will. He stays as he desires. He leaves as he designs. He's altogether sovereign. Now secondly, let us see together that as he is sovereign in his self-disclosure, could I suggest secondly that he's sovereign in his demands from this text? He's sovereign in his demands. They are inflexible. They are non-negotiable. And they are unalterable. Verse 3. Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, this angel said. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing, 
For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be in that right unto God from the womb. That's an instruction for Mrs. Manoah, not for Samson at this point. It's for her. This is his instruction for her. He shall be a Nazarite from the womb, he says to her. Verse 13 and 14, the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah of all that I said to the woman, let her beware, she may not. Can I just pause right there and say this? Which is the fruit of some conversations I've had this week with younger folk. Our sovereign God has the sovereign right to say what you may not do. To say what you may not do. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I have commanded her, let her observe. I'm telling you that this angel, this blessed angel, this blessed angel named Wonderful is sovereign in his demands. They are not negotiable. They are inflexible. They are unalterable. They are altogether sovereign. This is that one. This is that one. This angel, this messenger of the Lord. This is that one whose will must be fully and freely obeyed. When he comes, it will not be. Look at the text now. And listen to me say to you that when he comes, whether to Manoah in Israel or to the sinner today in Munich, Georgia, when he comes, it will not be with offers of compromise. It will not be with suggestions for cooperation. It will be with demands for obedience. Oh, oh look at dear old Paul. Acts chapter 9. Saul, verse 1, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went, in, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, can I just add the word sovereign? There shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. <laughs> hey, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that when this angel comes, he comes with sovereign demands, and they're not negotiable. He isn't offering a compromise or suggesting cooperation. He sovereignly demands. In another place, in the book of Acts, in chapter 17, verse 30, he said, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. First Timothy chapter 2 at verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's not considered. That's not a compromise, not, not a suggestion. It's God's demands. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Be it known to you all, you know the context here. Peter and John are being brought before the council. It was interesting in verse verse 1, the wording in verse 1, as they spake to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they brought them into council to examine them and listen what they say in verse, listen what Peter says in verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. He is the sovereign Savior, and it is His demands that stand without compromise. Without compromise. Not suggestions of cooperation. Demands of obedience. Oh, this angel. <laughs> this messenger named Wonderful. He's sovereign in his self He's sovereign in his demands. Manoah heard it. Mrs. Manoah heard it. I give you thirdly this morning. I set before you that his worship is singular. His worship is singular. That is what I mean by that. It is not to be confused or amalgamated with any other rites 
or rituals substituted by carnal show. Look at verse 15 and 16. Notice what this angel says. Notice what this angel named Wonderful says. Manoah said to the angel, I pray thee, let us detain thee. I told you I wish somebody would write a sermon and preach it. With that for the title, let us detain thee. Manoah says, let us detain thee until we made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though thou detain me, I will not eat thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it to the Lord. This angel is clearing Manoah's head to understand that the worship of God is singular. It is not to be confused. It is not to be amalgamated with any other rite or ritual whatsoever. He must learn and know that he is in the presence of divinity and nothing will suffice that is not ordained of him. No other rite, no other ritual, no other ceremony, nothing else he can do will do this angel says to Manoah, I would have you know, sir, that if you're going to offer a burnt offering, you offer it unto the Lord and this worship be done right. Done right. I'm telling you, his worship is singular. There is a great confusion today about Worship. In fact, I'm afraid the word is just about to disappear. Where it is used, it's used wrongly. But it's about to disappear. I found on, I've seen on Baptist, so-called Baptist church signs. They've stopped calling it a worship service. They call it a service for celebration. Baptist called people. Celebration. There's a great deal of confusion today about worship because of the abuse of terms that have previously been long understood. Terms like worship. Now today everything's called worship. We're going to worship the Lord with a pool party. We're going to worship the Lord with a volleyball competition. Words like worship, ministry, calling. These are words that have, through time, have stood long, understood what those words meant. But today there's a mass confusion about it all and everything is called worship and everything's called a ministry. I saw a ministry to cleaning dogs, pet care ministry. 
God help us. This angel, this angel wanted to know and understand that right and godly worship singular. It's unique. It's not to be confused. It's not to be amalgamated. It's not to be confounded with any other thing whatsoever. Oh, I ask you this morning, do we realize? Do we realize how much of this Old Testament revelation was laid out for no other but specifically and exclusively to guarantee the purity and perfection of God's worship. Do you realize how much of this Old Testament was written singularly for this purpose to guarantee the purity and perfection of God's worship? Oh, the whole book of Leviticus is given to it. The whole life of Moses was given to it. The whole ordering and instruction for Solomon was given to it. Much of the apostolic instruction of Paul to the whole to the churches, whole letters were written to care for it. The true worship of all of those heavenly scenes that are opened up in the book of Revelation, what are they? They're pictures for us to see worship done right. <laughs> oh yes, and yet today, this generation has sacrificed 6,000 years of holy example and massacred it on the vulgar altar of modernity. This angel named Wonderful would have Manoah to know that his worship is singular. Says he to him, you may detain me, but I will not eat of your bread. Divinity. If you would worship God, sir, you'll burn an offering to him. Amen. Singular. But notice with me this vital lesson in our text concerning this worship. Twice. Twice in this text, verse 19 and verse 20. Twice their worship experience is described in this word, in these words. They looked on. They looked on. Verse 19, someone Noah took a kid with the meat offering and offering on a rock to the Lord and the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar, and Manoah and his wife looked on, fell on their faces to the ground. 
Here's a vital lesson in our text. Twice their worship is described as having looked on. Can I suggest to your heart this morning, this is the mechanism to produce true worship. Just look on His glory and His work. Oh, the text tells us He did wondrously. And they looked on. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. They looked on. Can I tell you that's the secret? That's the mechanism that will produce true worship. Look on Him. Look on Him. They looked on. Oh, Acts. Chapter 1 tells us of an account like this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up again. And a cloud received him out of their sight while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up in heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. They were looking on. (laughs) And they were changed forever. Things would never be the same again. They were looking on. Oh, isn't it blessed our hearts this morning that their, their worship, the worship of this angel name, wonderful. That worship is described as a result of them looking on. Oh, much my desire, more and more as I grow old, my desire is that I may set before your heart this message. And you may just look on. Just look on. Oh, just look on. Look on. Your heart will be led to biblical worship. I'm telling you that this messenger's worship is singular. It's not to be confused with the mere performance of external rituals however auspicious and grand they may be. My own heart is often consumed this time of the year. Not every year do we get to go, but some years we get to go and hear the performance of Handel's Messiah somewhere, the church or orchestra somewhere. And all it is is scripture after scripture after scripture put in song. Then when you come to that great and grand hallelujah chorus. My heart is made to look on. Just to look on. And cry with handle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
His worship is singular. It's not to be confused with any mere performance of external rituals, no matter how grand or auspicious they may be. Just look on. Do we do that? Oh, I hope we do. But I have much more to say, much more to say about this angel named Wonderful. God willing, we'll take it up on next week. Stand with me, please, if you will, again. Sing together number 323. Hark 10,000 harps and voices. Sound the note of praise above. Jesus reigns and heaven rejoices. Jesus reigns, the God of love. See, he sits on yonder throne. Jesus rules the world alone. Stand with me if you will. Glory, glory.